Hey, welcome to the After Now podcast with Tim and George. Give us a listen. What do you have to lose? Because let's be honest, you've wasted time on sketchier stuff than this before. Hey, Tim. Hey, George. I finally watched that Netflix sci-fi show everyone's talking about. Oh, yeah? Which one is that? I keep hearing from everyone that it's very weird. But to be honest, I've seen Stranger Things. Nice. Nice. I saw that coming down. (laughs) I saw that coming. (laughs) A sci-fi twist for a a sci-fi topic. Yes. That's our show. That's good. Um, yeah, and, and so, um, but before we start our show, because we, um, we do try to inform as, as well as, uh, entertain and edumacate and edumacate, um, this honestly is, um, uh, duh, we, we kind of called this and we have brought this up on our previous podcasts. Topic. Mm-hmm. Um. So, TikTok employees from the U.S. Um, have confirmed that, gasp, the Chinese government is looking at U.S. TikTok data. <gasps> what? I know, I know they said they wouldn't, and I think they may have even pinky swore that they weren't going to. <sighs> yeah, I mean, different world. I mean, it's the same planet, I, but different world. It, it, it is, but so, and we were told, the entire world was told mm-hmm. when TikTok first came out, this was the creation of the Chinese government, and they... The Chinese government uses it to kind of keep track of what its citizens are watching. Right. And with that, they create like a social score. Is and then like they just. It's like a score. Like, a, is it a one out of 10 or something? Uh, I think so. But it, it measures a bunch of different stuff. Right. Like how loyal you are and um, how much of a threat you might pose. So if you don't, if you score low in certain areas, you can't do things. It sounds like kindergarten. Oh, but it's worse. So during this latest lockdown, uh, because they, they locked their country down again for COVID, um, they were using all sorts of forms of social media and the phone's tracking device to see if people actually stayed in their homes. And if you didn't, it's not like here where where you don't get in trouble. You get in trouble. Well, that's because that's because uh you know one one person or one one group of people in this country may look at you know our country as you know um from the from the floor up as far as things are managed meaning meaning that you know um <clears throat> local government has the greatest impact and then as you go higher and higher and higher that impact is uh disseminated however um longer term um, uh, that impact is felt versus shorter term, the local government has more of an impact. So to say to say that sh- local government has uh, a much greater impact in the short term, and you know they're going to affect you and you're going to feel it, versus the federal government, where you know their their impact might be a little longer term. But uh, are you going to feel it today? Are you going to feel it tomorrow? Probably not. No, uh, but we we. <laughs> Where we are the Chinese this, we, government is trying to like enact, you know, our government, our people. We're going to make a change. It's going to happen now and affect everybody. Is basically what you're saying. Oh, and it and it happens immediately, right? 
immediately. And you don't get probation there. Yeah. You know? And and yeah. so, but, so what does this mean for people in the U.S.? Well, as foretold, and if you didn't figure it out before, well, here's your proof. Um, a profile is being built on everyone that's on TikTok. Sure. And... You know, I was asked a, a very good question. So what? Well, we don't exactly know so what yet. Right. But, but understand that the... Go ahead. Nope, nope. I think you're about I, I, to go was, down the same road. I, I, the, the people that are collecting this data are playing a very long game. Mm-hmm. And so if you're currently a 14-year-old, and they have and they're gathering all this data on you <clears throat> and habits and preferences 30 years from now when you're in charge of a security company or a defense company they can theoretically the Chinese and whoever they sell it to can use that data to compromise you. Because let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. Uh, even, even um, most pure among us in their, in the privacy of their own home or their own phone occasionally will wander to um interesting locations on the web are you talking about porn i that's only part of it the dark web no not even that so even if you're even if you're you're just your your average user right your your history will show you your likes or dislikes and not to judge but I don't know that you'd necessarily want that public and have to explain it. Right. Um, and it also shows your political leanings. It shows your um, likes and dislikes. And you, you there is the um, possibility to be compromised because of that. The only good thing I could say, one of many, I guess, not the only, but is, uh, you know, we have a constitution, amendments, bill of rights and layers of government in between us and personal liberties and things being changed, modified and or taken away. Correct. But you can certainly influence someone's behavior if they have a lot to lose. Absolutely. And. Like many of our laws, and I would never mention guns or women's rights, but like many of our laws, a lot of this stuff was meant, uh, written a long time ago. Like, you know, when you can only fire a musket once every three minutes. So I don't think the Founding Fathers had uh, a really good sense of, um, you know, what the future, you know, uh, look like, right? I mean, nobody would. Hindsight, right? I mean, I don't know what the future is going to look like, but they wrote the laws that applied to them at that time. Um, and, and perhaps to stay on topic and to, you know, not deviate. Cause I know we often do that. Although I'd love, I would love to deviate and talk about some of the things I want to talk about. Ah, um, uh, yeah, stick- but that, that that's not what the that's not what this show is about. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, staying on topic, um, there should be some legislation that uh, really uh, addresses internet law um, oversight. The EU is far ahead of us on that with privacy. Yes, I mean GDRP. And, you know, other other laws that are in Europe, um, that's that's they're way, way ahead of us. And, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because companies in the U.S. that want to do business in Europe, they have to play ball. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is. It is a different standard. But even um, even what we're talking about, 
this goes beyond borders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y- y- you know, uh, it. How do you protect against this? But um, again, we ask our our uh, our listeners to do their homework and look it up. You know, uh, there were some emails and stuff where um, U.S. TikTok employees could not get to data on U.S. servers that were supposed to be only in the U.S. And they had to ask their Chinese counterparts to get the data for them. So does it matter to you? I don't know. It matters to me. I'm not even on it. Oh, I'm not on it either, but um, to your point or whoever it is that asked you the question, I very much, I very much do like watching you know videos of French bulldogs run around in circles. So, um, oh. <laughs> this will indirectly affect me some way somehow. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, I have a uh, a French bulldog. She happens to be the uh, the art. The title art, yeah, of our, our the, the face, if yeah, you will, the face of the podcast. That's a uh, Lola. So, uh, but so, just know everything, every every click, every video, everything you do on that platform is being mined. Hmm. So, and there we go. But that's a duh. Duh. Yeah, duh. And you know, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because, um, you know, it's just another uh, another thing that, uh, you know, we discussed in the past, as you mentioned, and uh, you know, here we are talking about it again, and it's not going away. And I don't think it's going to get any better. Oh no, it's just going to get worse. You know, now, and, <sighs> and who knows what it's going to be used for? I think what's going to happen is when. Um, when we do find out what it's used for, we're going to be like, oh, geez. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, what's funny is that indirectly, and I know that we didn't mean for it to even relate to our topic today for the show, um, but what's interesting is it indirectly relates to exactly what we're talking about here. And, yeah, you know, I, I, it does. It does. And, you know, the topic of today's show really is, um, you know, science fiction and its impact on our society. And uh, the interesting thing is um, when Apple in 1984 uh, commissioned Ridley Scott to do a commercial, um, you know, and that was the commercial, um, uh, the lady uh, in the Apple shirt and the shorts, the short... 80s shorts is running down the aisle <laughs> with the with the hammer and she goes and flings the hammer into the uh you know into the uh, the big screen and you know basically knocking down the norms right changing uh you know talking about big brother dystopian big brother right george orwell's yeah you know this dystopian future um i mean here we are kind of i, I hate to say it but at least one part of the world is headed much closer to a dystopian future right now at this point. Big Brother, right? Yeah. Yeah, and if you haven't seen the commercial, um look it up online. It's online. Yeah. Um it's it's called Apple if you look up Apple 1984 commercial, it it aired one time. I believe it was on the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was the Super Bowl and uh it was uh um if you go to any marketing class um, you know, broadcast marketing class, um, and you talk about uh, impact. That that is one of maybe three or four examples of what modern marketing has done to to impact the human condition and why it was such a big change. Do you know that the Apple um, board, the manage the management team, did not want to approve uh, the funding for that commercial? Steve was actually going to pay for it out of his pocket. And there was there was a lot of infighting what? to get that done. You know, Steve Jobs was obviously right, as as you know, as he was so often was. Um, when, when it comes to marketing and vision, he was often right. right. Uh, nobody's perfect, right? I mean, we all have our flaws, but no. um, him in that role, that's uh, he was often right about those things, and uh, he was right then. 
Yeah, and 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 that is a good segue into what we're talking about: science fiction. Uh, how science fiction has shaped our reality. You know, it's funny. Um, you you listen to a lot of um, documentaries. There's even documentaries on this this topic of um, people who you know uh, work for NASA who in, you know invariably cite you know shows that they've watched in their youth uh, in in the '60s and the '70s and in the early '80s and and then the next gener or the current generation in the '90s and 2000s they're often talking about stuff like Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, those types of things and you know we wanted to just take a look at a, a little bit of a deeper dive on you know yeah. what the impact was but re really sci-fi took off when when film and cinema started you know in the 19 1920s you know we watched people land on the quote unquote moon which was <laughs> interesting because they they popped out of the rocket without a suit on but well, you know yeah and and it, 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 it I, it also kind of coincided with electricity. It did. I think it's a great point. It did it coincide with electricity. Um, yeah, and and for sure, you know. But it's interesting. Even in the nineteen twenties and nineteen thirties, you know, we're talking about going to the moon. We're 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 making silent film about that. Yeah. World yep. War Two comes along, uh, in the forties, and then. What happens? We basically gank all of the good, um, you know, rocket engineers and scientists from um, the the Nazis and move them to New Mexico, because uh, that's exactly what happened. By the way, that's that's yeah, it, absolutely. There was a race to see between us and the Russians to see who could get the most and the best rocket scientists from the German program. Yeah, absolutely. And we, and we won that. We won that, that race. Um, I think we ran, won that race, even though, and I don't care what anybody says, the, the Russians, even though maybe their hardware and their technology is a little based off of older technology um, and they have good technology. It's solid, man. Soyuz. I mean, all that stuff. Yeah. But, but I digress. I digress. So we're, we're in the 1940s and, you know, finally we get some rocket scientists and they start, you know, they start building rockets. And next thing you know, the Gemini program is started. So, you know, science fiction, there you go. I mean, that's just one example of, you know, us wanting to go to the moon. And ultimately, you know, science fiction uh, turns out to be, uh, it turns, turns into reality. So I have a obscure um, science fiction fact. Okay. Um, one of the first science fiction movies was frankenstein sure I now agree with that. yeah now so the way this works out the uh, the series of events back in the 1700s so this isn't that long ago i know it's for for us it seems really long ago but it's really not yeah um in the overall scheme of things it's not that long ago right so back then, they still didn't have a super good idea of how bodies worked because there was still a stigma and, you know, the church still had a, a, a big <clears throat> impact on society and they didn't think exploring how bodies worked was, you know, what should be done. Well, anyway, these German scientists had secretly, you know, they were young scientists and they started doing experiments of running electricity through dead people <laughs> sure and and seeing that things would move and whatever and you know was somewhat getting reanimated but they, they it's just because they could tap into having the brain fire off electrical signals yeah mary shelley had read about this mary shelley then writes the book Frankenstein. And now, Frank Frankenstein was not the monster. Frankenstein was a doctor that created the monster. Right. Okay. So she writes this book in the 1700s because that's when all the stuff's going down. Well, then that gets made into movies in like the 1920s. Famous movie with Boris Karloff. Mm -hmm. A young kid watches this in the movies which was a big deal for the day because it was kind of their Star Wars, if you will. Sure. 
Okay. So this guy gets interested in technology and medicine of what it can do to the human body. And like in the late 50s, starts messing around with electricity and the body and ends up inventing the first pacemaker. And he notates that his inspiration was the science fiction of the Frankenstein movie. And, you know, that's a great example. And and I think that we've got a lot of other examples, but that's there's a practical example of, you know, old science fiction having an impact over 300 years you know, we have so, many times we have to wait for science and technology to catch up with our wants, our needs, our desires um, for us to even be able to do anything. Um, yeah. 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 And, you know, it, it's funny because um, a lot of times um, science fiction, uh, a lot of early Twilight Zone episodes um, in the 60s and, and maybe even earlier than that have always dealt with, um, you know, alternate realities and different worlds and, and, uh, you know, different timelines and those types of things. And, and, you know, a variation on the theme has always been, um, you know, downloading or, or moving someone's consciousness or, or thoughts into a computer or a a computer world. And then Disney picks up this little unknown script, uh, in the late seventies, early eighties, Tron, and now here you are where your, you know, virtual reality world, it's really, you know, deconstructing the human body and moving it atom for atom into a computer. But, you know, regardless of the details, it's 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 a virtual reality type of thing. Uh, ready- and, 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 and Tim, it's kind of what we were talking about, the stated goal of what the metaverse wants to do, right? That augmented reality between blurring the lines between reality and the digital reality. Yeah. And every science fiction, either movie film or, you know, uh, genre in whatever story arc they, they make Star Trek next generation with the holodeck that came out in the late nineties, sorry, the, the late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, you know, it's just a continuation on the theme. Right. And you, you you said it exactly. I think you nailed it right on the head. You know, we're, we're moving into an augmented reality and being able to do some of it. You know, it was funny. Um, here we go off, off on one of our tangents. Pro- <laughs> that well? Yeah. That's what, that's what we do. Pr- prior to COVID, and I'm not going to mention uh, the company's name, um, partly because, you know, um, we're looking for advertisers and they could pay us for that. But, <laughs> but, but more importantly, I honestly don't remember their name. Cringe a little. Um, because it was what 2019 right uh right before the pandemic a buddy of mine met up with uh, a, a whole bunch of us we were going to ces that year we go to ces every year but you know he had he had found a um a virtual reality uh you know outfit that was operating in um one of the big uh hotels off the strip and um they had licensed star wars so you mm-hmm. you put these helmets on, you put this backpack and vest on, and you got gloves on and whatnot, and you walk into a room, and you're sitting there, and the room is like wood panels, right? I mean, and you know you're kind of going to go through a maze. You get that feeling. kind of feels like a, um, a haunted house, but not really a haunted house. Okay. And then all of a sudden, the visor turns on. And these textures go over the walls, and it looks like... No. Yeah, it looks like you're in a Star Wars or... Uh, it looks like you're in the Star Wars universe. You're where you're on a ship. It felt very Star Warsy. You saw a droid. You looked at each other, and what was once a person that you would normally see, uh, my friend Lorenz, my friend Neil, my friend Dwayne, turned into stormtroopers. No way. So, so as they were moving around, these stormtroopers are kind of mimicking the way they're moving. So one of the guys is doing, you know, kind of like the the hoopty dance, you know, and you see a <laughs> Star Wars uh, rendition of a of a stormtrooper doing that, right? And it, it was kind of fun to watch. Um, but then they send you on a mission, and you know these doors open, and you're walking through, and you're doing things. You have to uh, fact and figure things out and and solve puzzles and whatnot. Um, that's really interesting to me because you are basically placing yourself into a virtual world that is a absolutely a virtual world and 
I I actually got vertigo. We were walking on a um, a a small um, plank, and underneath that plank was like a forty to sixty foot drop into a lava pit. Oh, and and I'm walking at it, and I could feel vertigo. So um, so yeah. it, so how far? So how many years ago was that? Twenty nineteen. Okay. How realistic did that seem oh, to you? Man, George, it was really it was really realistic. I mean, you know, I mean, honestly, on a scale of one to ten, uh ten being when I open my eyes up in the morning and I'm in the real world, and yeah. one being you know, like uh, an eight-bit video game from the nineteen eighties, like Frogger, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, this was I have to I have to be mean and put it on the scale of probably a four or five, but now that's okay. a, that's a heavily weighted scale because four or five is shocking. It's awe-inspiring. It's like going from fo- Frogger. To the most latest version of Halo, you know, if you okay, were to, yeah, 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 you're, 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 and excuse, excuse the French, we don't often, you know, um, use, uh, you know, colorful metaphors on the show, um, but it was a, it was a shitting moment, like wow, I mean, this is amazing, I've never seen anything like this, um, but knowing virtual reality could probably get to the point someday where I open my eyes and I can very rarely, you know. Kind of like uh, Blade Runner uh, to continue the, um, you know, the narrative of our show today, right? Um, Blade, yeah. Blade Runner so, um, w- so intelligently mixed technology with everyday life, um, and holograms and AI with everyday life, and you know, here we are, um, middle of twenty twenty two. And Tesla is saying that they will have a first attempt, first generation of one of their androids by the end of the year as a demo. And I think they said uh, by the end of 2023, driverless trucks. Driverless trucks. I mean, they got the trucks. uh, I've already seen the trucks and they are driverless. It's not something you want to drive next to, but, you know, they're already working. um, Yet. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, you know, we're we're on the cusp here. We've got a lot of things that yeah. um, has, you know, a lot of people's imaginations have been fired up. And I think a lot of those imaginations have come from, you know, movies and narratives like franchises like Star Wars, franchises like Star Trek, you know, communicator, cell phone, um, the pad, an iPad. Because in Star Trek, you know, when... Captain Picard and, and, and crew were doing research. They would always have, you know, uh, pads on their desks that were like electronic, you know, iPads. Yeah. And I always thought to myself, you know, back in the late 90s um, and or even mid 90s, man, it would be really nice to have a really in- interactive pad just to be able to download stuff on and, and do stuff with. And, you know, there were early versions of that, you know, um, Apple had their inclination of it. Um, HP had um, their inclination of it. And they had a very good version of it, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, when Apple came out with theirs, iPad and, you know, and Android tablets for sure. um, It's just here we are. I mean, you know, Steve, again, was right. You know, why do you need a stylus? You have fingers and you can use your fingers to do things. Um, and that's exactly what they did in Star Trek. Yeah, and and you know, with uh, with Doctor McCoy, right? He he'd run something over your body or head. Well, we got the thing where he takes a takes your temperature without touching you. And all this stuff, honestly, is inspired by kids who got the bug, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And it's all over the world. It's not just in the United States. And what's cool is it's not just little boys anymore. Cause it kind of was for a long time. Yeah. I mean, sci-fi inspired X-ray biobed garners millions in investment. The date on that was, it was about a year ago. It was uh, actually a little bit more than a year ago, January 15th, 2020. And it, it looks like a biobed. 
Um, so it's it's kind of interesting. <laughs> it the 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 article even cites Star Trek. Um, does it really? It, it really does. Uh, so there you go. I mean, what you're seeing is a copy and paste from, um, you know, uh, science fiction to science fact. Yeah, and they. I just saw something else where it said that um, they they've got basically little nano robots that'll go into your bloodstream and um, take measurements and not kill you or anything. They got and it. then. And then uh, could be collected if need be and, uh, you know, go through and take a look at your arteries and uh, how, you know, how efficient is uh, is your heart pumping and, and what, uh, you know, go basically, you know, the what was that movie where they they shrunk them and then they uh, they shrunk the pe- they actually shrunk people, put them in like a little caplet and then they went into the body. That was that... Inter, that was Inner Space, the movie. The name of that was uh, Inner Space. If that's what you're talking about, there's um, one that I think it, there's one even in the '60s. I don't know if that was the name of it or not. Oh, I, you know, for all I know, Inner Space from the late late '80s, um, you know, may have been a remake of a '60s movie. So you know that that wouldn't surprise me. And, and so all this stuff that we, you know, it, right now, if you could have thunk it, it's it's being worked on yeah um inner space was a movie made in 1987 dennis quaid martin short meg ryan uh and you know basically you're exactly right it was uh taking somebody who was in a capsule miniaturizing them putting them in the bloodstream and you know um being able to solve you know solve uh you know the issue of of uh, whatever was in you know somebody's body whether it be cancer or something else and obviously that movie you know, uh, went awry and, and for comical reasons. Um, right. But, you know, um, I, I, I guarantee you somebody's going to get inspired by that concept. Oh, they have. Yeah. They have. They're just not going to shrink people. Right. You know, and, and um, they were all, I think what, I think it's actually hard to come up with a good sci-fi movie right now. Because things are so are changing so quickly, um, and I think that there are things in development that would probably blow our minds if we knew what was actually being developed. You know, it's funny because as we talk about things that are, um, you know, taken from science fiction and moved into science fact, and, and a lot of this. You know, how, how does this start? You know, we're, we're not saying that these people had foresight. You know, usually what happens is th- these showrunners, whether it's Roddenberry in the 1960s and, you know, in the 80s um, with a couple of movies sprinkled between there, or mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, Steven Spielberg and, and George Lucas doing their thing with, uh, you know, their their individual movies, whether it be Star Wars or whether it be movies like Inner Space. I think, I think... Uh, uh, Steve Steven Spielberg uh, was part of the inner space effort and <laughs> uh, amongst <laughs> other things, of course. Right. Um, yeah. These movies, these productions hire consultants, you know, science consultants, whether it be from NASA, or the private sector. And so you you immediately get um, a lot of uh, 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 you get an injection of reality um to in, uh, to to move into your fantasy they do their own fact checking they they don't always get it right but you know if someone says hey like you know what i need to i need to come up with a way to go to time to, to do a time travel how do you do that well if you slingshot yourself around a big bar you know um that might get you to go fast enough or manipulate time space to throw you back in time right i'm referring to yeah. star, star trek for the voyage home and the whales right everyone knows star trek yeah the one with the yeah, whales yeah. um and and you know i mean there, there's some basic physics that exists there. And, you know, so it's like, all right, well, how can we manipulate the physics that we know? Um, and, you know, how can we get that to work? And sooner or later, there's a plausible theory behind it. And then 300 years from now, uh, there'll be a, a situation where, yeah, maybe we can do it. I don't know. Um, well, and, and you know, it's, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I was, I was researching what, a, you know, Jules Verne. 
Sure. About 20,000 leagues under the sea about submarines long before they had the, any kind of capability like that. Um, he also wrote a story about traveling to the moon. And what his way he wrote it, it was a big gun. It was a rocket, but it was a big gun. And it was a hollow aluminum shell that had three people in it that had enough velocity to make it to the moon. Sure. Um, so the scary part about that is his <laughs> calculate his yes. So his calculations, he had calculations of the amount of energy it would take. And from what I understand, his calculations were really, really close. They were almost dead. They weren't dead on, but they were really close. And yeah. in the first, in the Apollo missions, what was the vehicle that they were in? I mean, it was basically an aluminum bullet-shaped hollow capsule. And how many people were in it? Three. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at it, like, even, you know, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, right? That's Jules Verne. Um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, that's Jules Verne. Um, you know, you have uh, you have submarines today, marine technology and naval technology that has really been advanced. And, you know, a lot of those, you know, a lot of these naval guys, um, they're, they're family, right? I mean, they come through generations and generations of, you know, um, eight, maybe nine generations now of naval, you know, from the very uh, first when we talk about colonial American, you know, wooden uh, ship to the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, when we're talking about, you know, um, full steel hulls and, you know, being able to, um, moving into nuclear age and propulsion moving from, you know, diesel to nuclear. Well, I mean, basically, and it's very interesting because the, the there was a, there was a sub- narrative um in star trek enterprise um uh, it was very subtle but a, a couple of the people who were newly serving aboard the enterprise and remember this was uh you know um 150 years maybe longer before kirk right um yeah this was the beginnings of star starfleet right um so a lot of these people came from naval um, submarine, submariner technologies, and they were asked to serve aboard starships, you know, in, in this narrative of Star Trek. And it makes a lot of sense because when you're down in the sea, you have to, you're dealing with pressures, you're dealing with isolation, you're dealing yep. with a, you know, um, you know, basically terraforming an environment to be hospitable to humans in a very inhospitable environment. Um, and all the ranks and insignias were all naval. You had admirals, and and they called them ships. No, and... Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I believe there's even a USS Enterprise in the Navy naval fleet. It was, oh, yeah, it was an it, aircraft carrier. <laughs> it, it was, it was several. Yeah. It was several aircraft carriers. And Enterprise, you know, I looked it up. And I'm like, what, what the hell? Because Enterprise to me always meant like business or something, you right, know. Right. And, and it kind of does, but it also means an endeavor of taking on a difficult task sure and that and that's why they had a regular aircraft carrier world war ii and then there was a nuclear uh aircraft carrier and then you know um then the starship right that, that's probably why they they picked that name because yeah. it had it it had a a very storied naval career in in the, in the 1970s when nasa was piloting the shuttle program the original um prototype for the space shuttle program was actually um was actually called or named enterprise and that's because that's right yeah they went and asked the public to name it and there was an overwhelming uh request to name it enterprise and actually when they debuted it the actors from star trek were there um, alongside, you know, the spatial enterprise, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Again, you know, science fiction, 
you know, helping along the human yeah. the human condition. Well, and I think that that's <clears throat> the really good science fiction does have just those really creative taking off the limitations. Right. And, and that's the, I think that's the hallmark of, of good science fiction is, you know what? We'll figure the details out. We'll figure out how to break light speed and get into warp. We'll figure out a cure for cancer. We'll figure out how to download someone's subconscious and basically keep them alive. Right. And it's like, well, how do you do that? You know what? The story happens 300 years from now. So there are a lot of really smart people and they figured it out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So the reality is if you took something like a, a Tesla and you went back in time, uh, not like a movie like this has never been made before. <laughs> Except it was a DeLorean. Um, and by the way, if you haven't seen the new DeLorean, uh, the revamped, uh, you know, new version of the DeLorean, um, you should check that out. Um, but if you took a Tesla and went back in time to the turn of the century, you know, and wore the clothes that you wore today and you had a laptop, you know, a normal Mac or, you know, Windows laptop, whatever, and, and normal, you know, smartphone, people would look at you and they say, oh, my God, what? What advanced culture, what civilization are you from? Absolutely. Right. So, and... you know, I, I, I'm just thinking about that. Um, so we were talking about 300 years. So if it, it's kind of an easy thing, right? Of saying 300 years from now, people will invent stuff. Right. Um. In 1720, um, around this time, there was a patent for the first steam engine. Because <laughs> remember, this was 300 years ago, was 46 years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Right, right. It seems like a lifetime ago. It's not... A, a, Calendar-wise, it's not that long ago. So if you think about it, we've gone from not having steam engines. So let's put this into context. You were probably expected to live about 30 years, maybe. Right. Um, there's a good chance that uh, if you were married, your wife would die in childbirth. Right. Um, you die of uh, polio was a huge issue. Polio was a huge issue. Uh, and yeah. something as simple as getting a cut could kill you. Yep, because the the lack of, of medical technology. Absolutely. Yeah, just a simple infection could kill you. Right. Um, yeah, any kind of disease could wipe out towns villages um and you know i had a very interesting call <clears throat> with um people in europe so we're, we're we're a team and we're dealing with people in europe and they're they're talking about you know it's getting hotter there it's getting hotter here um and and they're used to it being colder so hot for them is like uh 80 Come and the, there was come to the desert. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but one of the people that on the call made a very interesting observation because <clears throat> she was from the UK and had moved to the States. And we were talking about how it was going to be 95 in Chicago, whatever, and humid. And like, oh, my God, I couldn't handle it. And the person that from the UK said, there's a difference in the U.S., Everywhere you go is air conditioned. Sure. And and that person was like, that's a game changer. <clears throat> Not it hasn't been that long that everything's been air conditioned. Right. You know? 
So the first mercury thermometer was invented 300 years ago. <laughs> it was the first time they could figure out how hot or cold something was. <coughs> because that was the first time they invented a thermometer. Yeah. I now, I think go I ahead. No, I, I just, you know, it was funny as I was, I was, uh, I bought a baby freezer the other day. I mean, really small. <coughs> and I was thinking to myself, man, you know, if they just had this technology, you know, in the 1920s and 30s, you can keep medicines refrigerated. You can keep food refrigerated. You can make ice. <laughs> right. We t we do take things for granted. Well, absolutely. So uh, my my father-in-law has, he uses a storage right now, an old ice box. Sure. And that's when people used to deliver literally chunks of ice. Right. You, you put it in a compartment in the bottom mm -hmm. and that would keep your food cold and then there was a ice guy that would come and drop off blocks of ice so and that was like less than a hundred years ago yeah okay so think of exponentially what we're creating now and where it's going to be 300 years from now so if you have an idea for a science fiction book, write it. Right. You know what? It's easy. Say, come up with your craziest idea and say it's 300 years in the future. And, and I'd, I'd love to see it because I'd love to see some real science fiction of what's coming up. I think, I think we're kind of so dumbfounded <laughs> by the recent advances we're having a hard time reaching. Yeah, I think um, I think there are a couple shows. And you're right. You're right. I, I think there are a couple shows that really pay a close attention to that. I think, you know, again, and I don't mean to make the Star Trek heavy, but, you know, um, no, within, within new shows like uh, Discovery and uh, Strange, especially Strange New Worlds, you, you can see the attention to detail. Um, you can see, you know, they, they know that they have to contend with the sets of the 1960s, but they understand the narrative, the real life narrative to, of today. And, you know, um, the sets of the 1960s don't look futuristic to us anymore. Um, so they have to be true to that style, but they have to update it. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. it's funny because there's an irony, there's a twist to this. Um, it's something that I wanted to talk about in the show and I'm, and I'm, I'm completely with you on where you're going with 300 years out. And, and here's an example of one show running into technology that benefits another show. And that's, um, in the new show, strange new worlds, they have the tricorder. Everyone knows what the tricorder is. In fact, DARPA, um, created a. Um, a contest to come up with a medical tricorder or a regular tricorder. How many sensors can you pack into a handheld device and what can, what, what can it give you? Right. Um, yep. But they wanted to update the tricorder and they also wanted to update um, the communicator, but they wanted it to look the same. So what they did was they put um, iPod nanos, the small screens yeah. Inside of the communicator. And I believe they also, I believe they also did that with the, um, with the tricorder. And so what you have is you've got a screen that's interactive and shows things, but still it looks like the old Star Trek dressing, you know, the old 1960s. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so it's the chicken and the egg. You, it's, odds are, odds are that a lot of things were inspired by Star Trek and would the iPod would have been invented if Star Trek would not have been around. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But one, it, maybe not in the same form, maybe not in right? the same form, maybe not in the same fashion. Um, no offense to Johnny Ive. He's a great industrial designer and I, you know, nothing, nothing in that way. I mean, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he would have come up with something just as innovative. But, all right, all right, hold on, hold on. Who's Johnny Ive? Oh, sorry. Uh, he was the industrial designer and still is the industrial designer for Apple. Um, he used to work for Apple. Now he's got his own industrial design house 
I believe in Palo Alto, and uh, Apple still uses them. So he was okay. he was the cheeky British guy who always did the really cool videos for Apple. You know, you know the, the uh, oh the one with with uh, when the um, uh, iPod first came out yeah. with the with the white headphones and everything else was kind you, of blacked out. You got it. That was just Johnny, and you know he's well wow. known. He's well known in the Palo Alto you know um silicon valley circles he was he is was the the guy to go to for industrial design um but would he have come up with the same thing maybe maybe not um but the reality is is that star trek was there in the 1960s people got inspiration on came some some inventions like the ipod and now that they're trying to redress star trek for today they're using ipods in the this the um the the props um to make them look more futuristic for down the road and i just think that that's kind of interesting it's full circle <laughs> it is absolutely full circle and what's interesting is and you brought it up um that a lot of this is common day stuff now we're used to the technology and i think that's where you know, and we, again, we talked heavily about Star Trek, but when you talk about Blade Runner, movies like Blade Runner, movies like Star Wars, when you look at Star Wars, you don't see shiny, clean, pretty ships. Um, no. Which is really what wigged a lot of people out when um, uh, they had the uh, backstory, so, you know, Solo. Um, because the Millennium Falcon was brand new. It was shiny and clean. And everyone's like, oh my God, is that what it looked like? Um, but, but what we're looking at from a Blade Runner and Star Wars perspective is technology has been around forever now. It's so old. It's just part of our world. Yeah. Yeah. We, we're, we're no longer impressed by it. Right. And I think that's a cool story to tell, right? That I can jump inside of... You know, what you and I look at as a 1965-1970 Mustang GT, you know, they have the equivalent of a 50, 60, 70-year-old floating space car (laughs) that to us would be a holy crap moment. But to them, it's a classic. It's a classic. Or a POS. Right. Right? It's like, oh, look at this. Crap, this one sucks. This one, this one only goes 400 miles an hour, you know? I think a movie that did a great job of kind of playing to that uh, type of look and feel um, was um, The Fifth Element. Um, because when you saw all the technology in The Fifth Element, that yeah. was... That was uh, um, everything looked old, everything looked used, everything, it was New York or a city like New York, but everyone was flying 60 stories above the ground, you know? Yeah, and I, I think you could see us getting there, mm-hmm. you know, and um, we're, it's just going to be, it is going to be part of everyday life. And it, honestly, for someone growing up, someone born today, their reality is so different oh, yeah. from anyone that was born before now. Well, let's let's look at millennials. So ten. Yeah, if you're looking you know? at millennials, though, millennials, they they don't know a world really without internet. No, I mean, that's that's a great point. I mean, they I, they are connected. Yeah. Globally. Yeah, c- completely globally. That's a that's a very good point. Either they're they're connected globally. They got the world at their fingertips, literally, um, and they've never, they've never lived in a world without smartphones. You know, if they did, they were very young and they don't remember it. Um, or, or they've they've never lived in the world without the data at the tip of their fingers. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting because that's definitely going to change their brain wiring. What well, has right? I mean. You, yeah, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about you know Twitter and and TikTok and TikTok in specific, and you know, just entertainment has changed. You know, people oh, used yeah. to pack the movie houses. You know, or they used to call them movie houses. Then they were theaters. You know, and 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 now because of you know circumstances beyond human control, one would think. Uh, I'm referring to the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, we couldn't go to the movies. Um, and right. so the movies came to us over the new digital medium. But you still got to see Top Gun in the theater. You still got to see Top Gun in the theater. That's a good movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a really good movie. And, you know, what's funny is um, Top Gun, even though it's not really science fiction, it really does show off the 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 exact narrative that you and I are talking about. Yes. You know, when, when Top Gun came out in, was it 86? 86. Yeah. The most advanced jet fighter in the u.s naval what was the f-14 tomcat yeah and and they even joked about it in the movie um you know uh spoiler alert okay wait five seconds okay now um they even joked about it in the movie which was you know how do you drive this 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 old antique (laughs) antique yeah this dinosaur you know um because what is out today is far more superior and we see that you know in uh the flight heuristics we see that in you know the um uh, special effects although a lot of it was filmed live um and we see it in you know even the technology that's just uh, around the airplanes themselves too it's 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 a um interesting it's an interesting story to tell well and i think that they did a really nice job of introducing that drones are going to be playing a more and more vital role in air defense. Right. Right. And um, the reality is you don't have to worry about a pilot blacking out. You don't have to worry about necessarily the safety of a pilot. You can put a drone in a really, really dangerous situation because knowing it's not going to come back, but, you're not going to have your decision making is going to change, right? Something is more could be considered more expendable, right? So, if I'm going to send twenty people into a situation where I know they're probably not going to come back, it's a heavy decision to make. If I'm going to send twenty drones into a situation where they're not going to come back. It's a much easier decision. You know, and, and speaking of military and whatnot, um, when you look at science fiction, um, you know, I see our military um, more like, I mean, mimicking more like something along the lines of um, the colonial Marines and, and uh, aliens, uh, the second iteration of the aliens franchise. When when those when those guys are in their full body gear and you see the tanks that they use and the the machinery machine guns and weaponry that they have, um, I mean talking about uh, you know a movie with some foresight, um, yeah. you know and 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 maybe it's you know maybe there's been uh, maybe some inspiration was drawn from watching that movie too. I don't know, but you know uh, when you look at uh, the colonial Marines and you look at games like Halo and what, you know, the military in that video game, you know, it looks a lot like our modern, uh, us military yeah. today. And, you know, and, and not only the U S military, British, Australian, French, um, you know, they, they mimic the look and feel of that. Well, and a lot of, so there's traditional science fiction, but then there's also science fiction in a lot of everyday storytelling. Right. So, for example, like Tom Clancy novels were always, um, they're fascinating, but military was always very nervous about them because they're like, how the hell did he get this information? <laughs> Hunt for Red October. What a great Hunt movie. for Red October, which yeah. supposedly was based on a pretty real life situation. And, you know, and a lot of the weapons that he described in his books were in experimental phase when he was writing about them. <laughs> right. right. And, and Tom Clancy has always been, you know, revered as someone who, uh, you know, it may not be science fiction, but man, he he skirts on it. You know, he's looking at the, the latest and greatest and, you know, pushing the boundaries of, you know, um, how far he can take the novel without you know, going into, you know, a danger zone. No pun, yes. no pun intended. Danger zone. 
<laughs> um, but then there's also TV shows that, um, like, I haven't seen the show in a long time, but you, I know when it first came out, something like Hawaii Five-0. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yeah. They have, like, their magic table. Yeah. Right? Where, hey, I want to see this part of the island. It's a giant, like, touch screen. And it brings up the island and it's got all this GPS stuff. And if you place a phone on the table, it reads everything on the phone. Um, <clears throat> and, and it does all this magic stuff. Some of it's kind of science fiction-y. Now, right. we're, we'll, eventually that's going to happen. Oh, it's, it's already happened. I've seen it already. It it's, is, it's, but it's, I mean, it's not as easy. It's not as easy as they make it. No, right? it's, you're right. It's not. 